We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the Day More NBA podcast brought to you by Prize Picks coming at you Wednesday morning. It's February 7th, and it was uh, another late game uh, blown lead by the Wolves that we have to discuss here on today's show. I got Chris Hine from the Star Tribune here with me uh, in Chicago. Chris, it's uh, it's February 7th. Since January 7th, the Wolves have lost seven games in which they held leads. Uh, in Dallas, they on January 7th, they had a six-point lead and went on to lose by seven. In Boston, they had a nine-point lead and went on to lose by seven. Against Oklahoma City, they had a 12-point lead, went on to lose by six. Starts getting worse. Uh, against Charlotte, they had an 18-point lead, went on to lose by three. Yep. Against San Antonio, a 15-point lead in the fourth quarter, went on to lose by one. Against Orlando, they had a 17-point lead, went on to lose by two. And then last night... Against Chicago, they had a 22-point halftime lead. The lead was as big as 23, and they went on to lose this one in overtime. As I saw Sam Quinn point out on Twitter, the sum of those deficits in those 10 games that they have blown uh, equals 100 exactly. (laughs) Uh, That's um, obviously not what you want. Uh, Mm -hmm. Chris, in, in your questions to Finch and the players uh, in the locker room last night, you had one pretty clear theme to your questions, which were, is there a theme and a, or a trend uh, to these losses that they mm-hmm. can point to? It's a very um, Kurt Hapley way of, of explaining that the theme is what is the theme? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> what did, uh, what, what, what answers, I guess, from that stood out to you? I have the, I have the Finch clip one. I don't have any clips from any of the players or anything, but, uh, yeah, what what stood out to you from the themes that they uh, they brought up to us? Yeah, you know, I think the, I think the biggest thing that we can that we can see is, and I think it might have been Rudy who, who was talking about this is, you know, they 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 play well, you know, they get the big lead, and then it's just like, okay, well, we don't have to play as focused on offense. Maybe you know, just. Guys start trying a few things. The ball stops moving. Mm-hmm. It gets more ISO heavy, ISO happy. And then that leads into their defense as well, which tends to lag. 
Um, and I think that's what I've noticed. And I think, you know, that, that was, that was kind of confirmed last night to me. I, I actually, the, the, I, when my gamer today, I kind of compared it to the Atlanta game. Yep. Um, and they had all the trappings of that Atlanta game from, from earlier in the season, which it seemed like they had learned from after it happened. And now they're, they're repeating the same mistakes. You know, offense played great in that game. Big first half lead. Um, second half, somebody gets hot. You know, DeJounte Murray got hot in that particular game. Kobe White gets hot in this one. Um, you know, offense dies. Defense is affected by that, also dies. And then all of a sudden, it's like you can't stop the avalanche coming downhill. Um, that's, that's to me, is like the biggest difference where it's like they learn, they seem to learn from that Atlanta game. They seem resolved not to want to have that happen again. And so for two months, they were pretty good at that. And now the last month it's been, you know, no lead is safe with this team and they haven't relearned that lesson. You would have thought games like Charlotte and San Antonio maybe would have sent a message, but instead they've just dropped two more just like it um, after they've built even larger leads. Yeah. It's, it's fair to say, I think the trend is getting worse. I mean, if we just go through those numbers, the numbers, of the mm-hmm. leads get bigger that they, mm-hmm. you know, have blown over time, which I think, you know, to some extent signals, um, you know, mm-hmm. a little bit of a phobia mm-hmm. of that as it's, as it's going, you kind of, they pretty clearly, you know, came out of the third quarter in neutral. And then I, I think it was like three, four minutes into the, uh, into the third quarter. And that 22 point lead is down to like 10. Yep. Uh, and then that that kind of fear agita whatever seems to to kick in some it like it it triggers a sense of urgency but not necessarily in a positive way it it it, it i don't know it, it kind of triggers the urgent worst tendencies of yeah. this game yeah. uh, in in a lot of ways and i i don't think this is a an issue completely to subscribe to the young guys on the roster I think particularly in last night's game and particularly in the first half, I thought Ant and Jaden, uh, you know, they, they, they played great uh, in, in the first half in particular, but they have been part of the, the trend here of, of blowing the, these leads. And part of that is, you know, it's somewhat understandable in the idea that they're 22 and, and 23 years old for the Sunday paper. So, you know, before this, this Bulls game, you, you wrote about that. Uh, particularly with Jade McDaniels and Anthony Edwards in this role they've kind of been thrust into given this team has been, you know, microwaved through the Gobert trade into a really good team in the Western conference, but also throwing those two into really major roles that uh, require, you know, it's always seems like pejorative to say like maturity. I don't, I don't see Ant or Jaden to be like, immature people necessarily, but, um, you know, some immature behavior on the court, wavering uh, effort levels, wavering execution, all those sort of things. And your point was, you know, this was the risk of the Gobert trade was, Mm -hmm. you know, tucked behind all the draft picks. And we were talking about, you know, that's a lot to give up for Gobert. We did all acknowledge this is going to make, even last season before, we're like, this is going to make this a good, the Wolves a good team. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, when we talked to Conley and Finch, they were like, this is, it's going to be really valuable to have Edwards and McDaniels playing in competitive basketball, 
uh, very early in their career playoffs year after year. That was you know, part of the motivation of the Gobert trade. But so as to be able to, to get to that point, to get to that point, yeah. to, to, to have yep. the chance to prove mm-hmm. it in the playoffs. Ant and Jaden are are such a big part of that. And again, I'm not hyper focusing on them in particular in the Bulls game, because I think that was a sort of a team wide thing. I think just broadly, this blown lead was a little bit different than the Charlotte, the San Antonio and, and some of the other ones. Yeah. But I, I, I'd like to talk a little bit about that, that concept of you know, thrusting Edwards and McDaniels into this role at such a young age that they're really counted on. So as mm-hmm. to, you know, to, to be able to deliver. Uh, yeah, I guess I know what inspired that story, but what was sort of the, the, the thought process going into that? Um, so the thing that I've learned the most about covering the NBA in, in six seasons, and, and I guess this applies to professional sports at large, is to be good and to be clutch, the key is consistency. The, the key to being a good NBA player or a great NBA player is how often can you reach the top of your potential or play well on a night in night out basis. It's not reaching like superstar heights one night and then, you know, lagging for the next three or four games. The key, the key to being successful in the NBA is can you be really good every night? And so, Young players do not do that in the NBA, yeah. and especially in late game situations. The key to the key to late game situations to me is also consistency in that you just do what you do normally, yeah. and that's the key to being a clutch NBA player. Reach reach those levels that you're capable of on a consistent basis. So for every time you have a game like Oklahoma City, where you know, the the win on the road, where Late game situations, Anthony Edwards' decision making looks great. Jaden McDaniels hits a big three, tips in a bucket. Um, you know, that was that was like the antithesis to everything that's gone on sure. the last month. That but should be acknowledged, right? right they, these right. guys have not been mm-hmm. zeros in this. It's not like this but it's has like, it's like you, you you ask yourself, it's like, why can't that be more the norm? Mm-hmm. And it's just because it's youth and it's inexperience and it's you know, it's still being relatively young in the NBA universe and not having enough muscle memory for what to do all the time in late game situations. They just, you could say, well, is, hasn't it been like two seasons of, of this? And yes, it has, or three seasons. If you want to go back pre Gobert. Um, but, you know, one of the things I put in my piece is that, especially as it relates to Ant being the leading scorer and the main person with the ball in their hands in clutch time. This doesn't happen where some of these star players don't, they don't get to the finals at 22 years old. They don't, you know, deep playoff runs when your leading scorer is 22 is not a thing that really happens in the NBA. It's more the exception than the rule. And in recent years, you've had to have been at least 24, like Devin Booker and Jason Tatum, Tatum were 24 when they led, the Suns and the Celtics to finals appearances. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think you just have to look at the age curve of the NBA, how long it takes for young players to really develop what to do in high pressure, emotional situations in a game. And I think what the Orlando game displayed was that Ant and Jaden have a lot to still 
overcome and learn. Ant picks up a technical in a tie game with less than seven minutes left. And then Jaden committed, you know, a third foul in a late game situation. If you go back to that Brooklyn game, um, San Antonio, and then Orlando, kind of his third foul in a late game situation that, that proved huge. Um, so, again, you could say they should learn by now. They should know by now. But some of it is also just the natural maturation of being young players in the NBA, it takes time. I know people don't want to hear that, but that's what I've learned in six years of covering this league. It does take time yeah. for, for no. young players to mature, and it takes multiple years. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, the trade put that burden on them very quickly. Now, it should benefit them in the long run. By the time they hit 27-ish years old and reach the peak of their careers, you know, you hope to have some of that stuff figured out. But for right now, with this team, they're still going to have growing pains because – you're counting so much on these two guys, one being so important offensively and the other being so important defensively. Yeah, it's just as humans, right? Being mm -hmm. younger, um, you know, it's it, it, it sticks out because this. I remember this was in you know Finch's answer. I just listened to it. Is mm -hmm. the the consistency of focus and intensity um, that it's rare, very rare that a, a 22 year old player will bring that you know, night to night in the league. It's it's more common uh, in somebody who's 36 years old, like Mike Conley. Uh, I think Gobert is very good at that at, at 31 years old. But that's, I mean, almost a, a decade plus uh, in Mike's yeah. case uh, of experience on, on those guys. And, you know, and Rudy's almost 10 years older than, than both of them too. But I, I think that's what it is. I think that's where the youth um, shows up is in, Yes, that there's execution issues, but it's also the the focus and intensity. And I'll I'll play that clip from Finch mm -hmm. when when you ask what the the themes are here in in these losses. Kind of going back a few weeks now, Charlotte games, San Antonio, Orlando, kind of high double digit leads that have yeah. disappeared. Have you noticed that the theme in, in in these games? I mean, it has to be focus. It has to be focus and intensity as much as execution. Um, you know, you get you play well, you get up, and then I don't know. You know, it's a, it's a question for for the guys, but um, you know, our seriousness has to maintain a high level. Um, just because we're up doesn't mean that the other team's going to go away. Um, and just the, the the turnovers and the threes, the turnovers in the transition, and the turnovers in the offensive rebounds—it's just too many too many bites at the cherry for them. You know? So, so Chris, I think the, you know, connecting McDaniels and Edwards there to Finch or, or the, the whole team to, to Finch. I think the question is like, what, what can Finch do to, to be able to, to manage this? Is there anything, you know, he can do? And there, yes, there, there are some things you, could you bench uh, Jaden McDaniels at the end of games, Anthony Edwards? Could you go with different, um, you know, closing lineups from, from time to time? Obviously one thing, just talked about is just putting the ball in Mike Conley's hands a little bit more uh, than Anthony Edwards in in those spots. What what do you what do you make of that whole sort of like idea of what Finch can do here when we acknowledge that part of this is just the fact that they're young and they can't consistently do it right now. How do you go about managing that as a coach when you know if it's tomorrow in in milwaukee and you're in this situation again do you just do you just roll it out again and hope it's better <laughs> like are are there or should there even be 
changes uh, that you know that that he needs to make in these in these spots. Yeah, I, I don't. I'm not sure what the what the magic answer is. I don't think benching Anthony Edwards yeah. in late game situations is the answer because the offense just is a different thing when he's not on the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, I did notice, you know, I think with I want to say maybe about three minutes to go. You know, kind of right before it got like to the final possessions of regulation, but it's still kind of crunch time. There were like two or three possessions in a row where Ant didn't touch the ball. Yeah. Um, and they were running stuff for Carl to try and get Carl some some open looks or a look in the post. And eventually it paid off because he had, he had like their only two buckets down the stretch. He had the three and he had the, I think, the post up. Um, but I think he did miss three other things. He, he also missed a couple. Yeah, exactly. No, it, it's it's a good but distinction. Maybe we saw a little bit of that where it was mm-hmm. like, I mean, it, it's it's tough to say Ant shouldn't touch the ball in a possession like that. But it's like, okay, we're going to we're just going to work through Carl here for this possession and see what, right. see what happens. We like the matchup with Carl, um, you know, try to get him a look instead of right. always having an ant hands. Look, some of the, some of the stuff with ant, they ask so much of him throughout the course of a game, right? That is a lot of bandwidth that Anthony Edwards is, is eating up in the course of a game. It's a lot of mental energy. It's a lot of physical energy, right? Yeah. And, you know, it, it, it plays into, I think, the moments of lack of focus that you might see out of him because they are just asking him to carry so much of the burden mm-hmm. uh, offensively. It's a lot to handle. Yeah. Um, and I think maybe alleviating some of that in late game situations, not always having him have the ball in his hands on every single possession, always relying on him to make the right decision um, is one way to take a little bit of that pressure off of him and work a little more through Carl like they did last night. Now it ended up in a loss, but. But it's the process, right? I I was right. Right. If so, I think they call the timeout at five 19. Mike Conley checks back into the game then. And so it's, you know, starters to, to close the game and it's a timeout. So they have a specific action drawn up out of the timeout. It's a pick and pop between Conley and Towns. Towns hits that three. And then I think it was three more threes that, that Carl missed in those neck, the, the, the final five minutes of that. And the reason Carl was able to get those looks was Ant not, you know, be domineering with the ball. Right. And, you know, kind of doing what we've talked about him needing to do. And it just kind of sucks because. I think that's probably the right process, but if Carl hits one of those three threes where he was shooting almost shot 50% from three in the game, mm-hmm. you know, what is that? What does that change? Like, do they, they, they probably win the game if they just hit one more of those, those threes in, in crunch time. So it's, it's a difficult thing where we probably need to look at like process versus results. But when you're already in a trend of this, it becomes more results focused, right? It's, this is another time we did it. And, you know, we, when we talked to Ant after the game, you know, it was just kind of, he was a little befuddled and, you know, I asked him, does this feel like it's something that you guys are close to, to overcoming mm-hmm. and, and, and putting in the past? And he's like, Oh, what were we up? 18, 23. Like, yeah. no, we're not close. We're not close. If, if this is, is continuing to happen. And, yeah, there's 31 games left in the season, but there's not 
there's time, but there's not a ton of time uh, for them to be able to to resolve this this going forward. It's uh yeah, it, it it kind of is, I think, the situation where as much as you can, you need to focus on the process and and not and not the results. But but I understand that being hard for the players to do, hard for Finch to do, hard for fans to to hear. Uh, but the most important thing to resolve this issue is to have as good of a process for late game offense uh, as, as you can. Right. I, I don't really know what the yeah. other answer there would be. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't really have too much of, a, of an issue with, with kind of what they, what they got and Carl had it going from three, like you said. Um, yeah. To, to me, to me, like what they were, how they were operating late game offense was, a little bit more down on the list of, of issues. I mean, the, 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 yeah, the overtime right. overtime was bad because they had four turnovers in a, in a mm-hmm. five minute quarter. Overtime was bad. Down the stretch of the fourth, I thought it was okay. Um, it was more everything that preceded it in the third quarter and early in the fourth. That was more the issue last night. And um, and and Finch said mm-hmm. this one was more about the was about the defense yeah. and not the offense and late game execution. And that, that is important to distinguish. We can't just, as I led this with, you know, lumping all seven losses into the same pile, there's distinctions to be every, made. Every, yeah, everything has its, has its own flavor. Each it, loss was You different. know, we, we could go, we could do 45 minutes right now where we, do, <laughs> you know, eight minutes on each of those games explaining what, you know, what happened uniquely in that mm-hmm. one. The, the thing though, in this one and, and what I want to, you know, dig into a little bit more once we take a break is the, the defense here and, and, you know, what, why that kind of fell apart uh, in this game. But, but first we'll take our, our first break. Um, and uh, today's show is brought to you by falling knife brewing company. And I'm excited to uh, share that we are going to be doing a live show on February 22nd. That's the last day of all-star break. The wolves, uh, return to play on February 23rd, I believe, against Milwaukee. And myself and Britt Robson will be doing a live show at Falling Knife Brewing Company uh, on uh, on that Thursday. Come at 6 o'clock. We're going to kind of do like a, I guess, a happy hour, meet and greet sort of thing there. Get a spot. Uh, it's not a huge tap room. So when we've done these before, it's kind of filled out. So I'd recommend uh, getting there at, at 6 o'clock. And then Britt and I, uh, as we have, uh, many other times we'll do a live show from kind of 7 to 8 p.m. And we'll take listener questions and we'll hang out a little bit after that. So put down February 22nd uh, on on your calendar for Falling Knife Brewing Company. And also, uh, if you just want to go check out Falling Knife, uh, obviously for any of these games, they're showing them. And they also wanted me to let you know that they now have THC beverages. Um, so they are adding to their uh, deep uh, beer bag with, uh, with some THC options there as well. So uh, mm-hmm. always be checking out. Uh, falling knife if you're looking for a brewery in Minneapolis. And then Chris, quickly, uh, this is my plan for the Super Bowl, is I am yes. going to get one Super Bowl related pick from each of you, Jace, Kyle, and myself, and that is going to be our slate. Jace's okay. was uh, Brock Purdy throws an interception, which I know might hurt your feelings or something, but uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> what do you I don't disagree. Well, Obviously, I'm rooting for the Niners, but it's so hard to pick against uh, Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so he's a he's a free it. square for prize picks. It's yeah, over, see more or less than, than half a passing yard. So yeah, that one will be in ours. Jace put in uh-huh. the Purdy interception. I feel pretty confident about over 0.5 passing yards for you Patrick do. You like Mahomes. that one? I like that one. That's yeah. a good. That's a good pick. <laughs> 
<laughs> what else we got here? It's hard for me to see the screen. What yeah, we well, I mean, <sighs> is there just like a matchup wise in this, or like, a, do you like <sighs> IU in particular, or um, just from I know you've been Rashid thinking Bryce about this. Kittle, I, I have. What's Pacheco at rushing yards wise? Uh, that was 67 and a half rushing yards. I'd go over on that. Okay. All right. Yeah, I think we he will. goes. The Niners run defense has been what is susceptible. Mm -hmm. You know, they've allowed they allowed Aaron Jones to have a big game. They, True. you know, uh, Gibbs and Montgomery had, you know, big games before the Lions stupidly abandoned trying to run the ball in the second half. Yeah. Um, so I think Pacheco will go over 67 rushing yards. I think I feel pretty confident in that. All right, uh, we will we will continue uh, building this out. Uh, I, I think if you go back, if you go back on my on recent weeks, I think I've done terribly on these. So please do not <laughs> do not take my advice. Uh, when it no, comes it's to these just picks. it's just meant to you know to lay it out there. You know, everyone, you can go make your own prize pick slate uh, for for the Super Bowl. I know many of mm -hmm. you already uh, have have prize picks accounts, but if you do, uh, you know, want to to do something, have something on the line uh, in the Super Bowl. Price picks is a, a fun way to do it. You know, put five bucks down to, you know, get four picks and, you know, get get 10 mm -hmm. to one or something uh, on your money. It's it's a fun way to do that. And uh, that's pricepicks.com with the Price Picks app. Uh, they will do a $100 sign up bonus if you use the promo code Dane. And they are giving that Mahomes free square. So I think mm -hmm. uh, a fun way to be able to, you know, have something on the Super Bowl here. Um, all right, Chris. Let's uh, let's continue talking about uh, this this Bulls game, this theme of late game whatever, uh, yeah. and it's turning into late game whatever because defense was a has been a factor or was a factor against the Bulls last night, um, and I think it was actually a factor against Orlando mm -hmm. um, last week as well. Uh, this, I, I think, I think it's a bigger thing than you know just asking some of the players. Uh, last night in the locker room about teams going bigger to match them. Yeah. Um, Orlando went really big. We talked about that um, in that game. They played four, six foot, 10 guys to to close the game and Jalen Suggs. And then last night, um, Chicago starts Andre Drummond and uh, Nikola Vucevic in, in that game, which I honestly kind of came into it being like, well, I don't know. Like that puts Vucevic on Carl. Like this should lead to Carl having, a, a big game. I get the idea of wanting to go big mm -hmm. uh, against the Wolves to kind of match them, but I didn't think that was a, a great strategy given, you know, given that Carl still has an advantage on, on Vucevic and that, that played out in the first half, right? You know, Carl yeah. has, has a, a, a really big first half there. Mm -hmm. And, but the issue was in, in this, in this game defensively uh, was the presence. I thought of Andre Drummond, who was really a force, on, on the offensive glass, which in and of itself is an issue, right? Like you give up a what did Drummond have five or six? I have it. I have it in front of me here. Drummond has six. Yeah, he had 16, six offensive rebounds. Sixteen yeah, six total, total boards. Yeah. Six, and honestly, like maybe three or four more where he like tapped it around and mm -hmm. like he he got his hands on more than six missed yeah. shots last yeah. night. And the trickle down effect of that, right, is. Now Rudy needs to stay home a little bit more on Drummond so as to be boxing him out and doing that. And, you know, a foundational tentpole of of this Wolves defense is Gobert and help, right? Um, that's the idea behind always trying to put him on the non-shooters and lurk and as they do, and it works great. 
but Rudy could not help as much in this game because he had to stay somewhat attached to Drummond and or someone had to help him out, boxing out Drummond when he did go to help. And that consistently <laughs> did, did not happen last night. And um, I, I just... I don't know. I, I think this will become somewhat of a trend going forward. I think teams will not every team has a lineup that they can go to that is bigger and more physical. Right. But I do think teams that can do it, even stretching to do something that I, I, I don't think Drummond and Vucevic, I don't know, maybe they have. I, they don't typically start games for the Bulls. So I say that to mean I think teams are going to, you know, there's more of a scout out there on the Wolves. There's more of a there's 50 games you can look back at what's beat them, what's gives what gives them problems. Um, I think this is a way of attacking the Wolves' defense in particular is is playing with some more size and in the process of doing that, kind of neutralizing some of Gobert's uh, defensive impact. and And I do feel like a lot of Gobert's defensive impact was uh, was limited in in that game last night. What stood out to you about the? Gobert against the the bigs and Drummond in particular. Yeah, like you said, he couldn't he couldn't really help as much as he wanted to. And I think what what going big against the Wolves does is, and I I thought a little bit about this in the wake of last night's game. The Wolves have been a better rebounding team this season overall, mm -hmm. right? And if you go small against the Wolves, uh, you you are taking away your ability to offensive rebound against them, yeah. right? But by going big, you maybe take advantage of the fact that they generally have been a poor rebounding team True. Um, going back to last season. So if you have the capability to maybe grab a couple more boards on the offensive glass, that's one way you can, you can offset some of the Wolves' half-court defense. We always say we like the Wolves' half-court defense if they can and especially if they could just limit opponents to one shot where you get them is on the on the uh margins in terms of second chance points in transition and how did the bulls get back in that game last night they had let me see how many they've had what a, you say, 27 it was a lot of a lot in transition which is mm -hmm. a product of the bad offense as much as defense right um 28 fast break points last night but also 16 second chance points mm -hmm. orlando with that that larger lineup had 18 second chance points in that game like that, that's those are those are high numbers mm -hmm. and you know i think i think that's one product of of adding that size against the wolves is you are then able to compete against them more on mm -hmm. the glass and not just give up one shot and done which is what you tend to do if you go smaller against the against the wolves so to me i think that's that's a, a significant i mean and like you said not every team's gonna have the personnel to be able to do this mm -hmm. um but if you have somebody who's a good rebounder put them out there try right. to get a few, try to steal a few more possessions mm -hmm. it, it's when jason and i were talking about it it's like can you take away, like, if you're the opposing coach, you ask yourself, like, does this take away more advantages from the Wolves than it creates disadvantages mm -hmm. for us? And I, I thought the, I thought the Orlando one was kind of the perfect example of that because it was bringing in Isaac for Fultz. Gobert was on Fultz, which allows this advantage, right, of mm -hmm. Gobert not being able to, um, or, or Gobert not needing to guard him, so he's at the rim all the time. That helps the defense a bunch. Yeah. But that one was kind of a double whammy because then Isaac could guard Cat, 
and Isaac could guard Cap, you know, one-on-one. And what is one of the biggest advantages in the Wolves' offense is playing out of double teams through Cat there. So you're right. There's there's totally different ways in which teams can do this and different advantages they can take, disadvantages that they can create. Um, I, I do feel, again, to pick into some of these blown late games, I, I, I think – the you know the Dallas, Boston, Oklahoma City, Charlotte, San Antonio. Those first five of the seven, a lot of that was shooting themselves in the foot to me. I thought at least like Orlando and Chicago like grabbed the gun and pointed it at the Wolves. <laughs> you know, you know what I'm saying by like doing like the guy from the meme. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. So I, it's I don't think this is again these these blown late games are not all mm-hmm. all created equal. And I don't think these last two in particular are are 100 percent on uh, on just the Wolves having a brain fart and, you know, blowing the game. I think teams are doing things that are, you know, inhibiting the execution that the that the Wolves need to play with. Sure. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. It did feel like it did. To your point, Chicago and Orlando did more to win the games. It felt like than the Wolves. Yes. I mean, Charlotte and San Antonio, the Wolves just lost those games. Uh, you know, last night in Orlando was a combination of both. And it, it's especially, you know, the old habits tend to creep up when when you lose the focus and you lose the intensity. Um, and you could just – they've always been vulnerable to transition, and they've always been a little vulnerable to offensive rebounding or allowing yeah. offensive rebounding. And so – when you're not minding what you're supposed to be doing, those are the first things that can go. Um, you know, and, and I think that's what we've seen like, in these games against uh, Orlando and, and Chicago is that you know their their demons come out, and we all we all know what the demons are, um, yeah. and it's it's no surprise when they when they show up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and I, I I think the transition was what was was what was also pretty stunning to me last night was this team has been really good. I mean, the wolves have getting minimizing minimizing it. And last night was really one of their worst games in transition all season. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's really what got the bulls and and Kobe white in particular jump started was just the ability to score in transition. Yeah. I want to, I want to talk about Kobe um, because Really, I, honestly, the the way I, I think about a, a lot of this stuff is from the sense of, you know, are these going to be issues that teams can use against them in the playoffs, right? Mm-hmm. Can is it, you know, is this some is this a really good idea to to play two bigs against them and be on the offensive glass? Will that hurt them? You know, what whatever it, it might be, and and I thought another one, particularly late in the game, and granted, Kobe White got rolling by playing in transition earlier uh, in, in the second half. But a big part of the end of that game in the fourth quarter was the Bulls and specifically Kobe White kind of incessantly hunting Carl Anthony Towns in, yeah. in pick and roll game, uh, which is that's just something that's going to happen in the playoffs, not specific to Carl. Uh, a lot of teams will do that when they have a particularly a guard that's rolling. They're just going to, you know, they're going to call up the weakest defender out there to get in in action and try and force that switch and let their rolling guard play against 
the least defensive yeah. option out there. And for the Wolves, when the other ones are Edwards, McDaniels, Gobert, you know, and and, and Conley, they're going to choose. They're going to choose Carl Anthony Towns. And I think it's really important for this team to be able to execute better in that, um, you know, set sending the the screener away from Carl's side, maybe pre-switching some of that, that sort of stuff. So you minimize the frequency with which Carl is involved in that action. I mean, Kobe White had 30 points in the second half. Yeah. Actually, just in quarters three and four. He didn't even score. Right, right. He uh, scored in, overtime, yeah. yeah. In overtime. And you look like, you look at Vucevic had, you know, uh, I think he had 22 in 18 in the third and fourth quarter. I think he had four in overtime, so 22. Mm -hmm. And then DeRozan had... 21 in the second half and I'm, I'm thinking about that that too and it's like all right like it was Ant and Jaden guarding White and DeRozan right we're talking about that the guys who need to the younger players who need to think and be able to execute and not make those game plan mistakes and then it was Carl uh on on Vucevic whether it was switching onto White or playing against Vucevic in the pick and pop game and that was something that Finch you know referenced in particular last night in his post game was you know, game plan mistakes. And he referenced the, the Vucevic stuff. So I say that to mean that's another specific, like the young players or the players who haven't had success in the playoffs on this team, not being able to, you know, do what is required to be able to win the game when it's the last five minutes of the game, which is the time in the game that looks the, the most like, like the playoffs. And this is just something that for those three guys, they need to know that it's going to kind of rise or crumble based on, again, like Finch said, the focus and intensity just as much as it is uh, about their execution. And and that was kind of one of the things I put in that piece was, I think, given the fact that those three are on the floor in such high-pressure situations, it just the, the volatility of what can happen late in games, like, is high it just it just is like which version of these players are you going to get on a night in night out basis specifically in the playoffs yep. um you know now now that the you know the, i'm sure they, they anticipated this coming into the season too but you know it'll be interesting to see how the wolves try and respond to teams just hunting carl late in games like that boston i remember that yeah. game that's all that's all boston's late game offense was was try to get carl switched on to tatum and then attack mm -hmm. um and it worked <clears throat> um so i i i wonder what the adjustments are you know we saw kyle anderson come in for defense when you know they were able to call timeouts um you know so at least for the very end of possessions you're able to get carl off the floor you know, maybe for the last one or two when, when you have to call timeouts. But for the other preceding four or five minutes of, of crunch time defense, um, you know, teams are starting to neutralize what the Wolves do best. So, um, you know, we'll see what the coaching staff has to, has to offer. Um, and, you know, it, I still try to keep a big picture in mind with this team, even amid these struggles, um, just because the arc of an NBA season is so long, True. Um, you know, and we have the All Star break coming up here, which is a you know, chance to pause and reset. Yeah. And this team needs it. Don't you just get this that? Team, I think this, I think they really yeah. do need the All Star break, and I think I think you really benefit them. You know, and uh, the schedule is a, an interesting schedule, but 
uh, coming out of it, but it's, but, but at least it's like, it's, they're not traveling like as much, like, you know, um, hotel staff here is knocking at my door. Um, they have those long kind of home stints and away stints, um, which I think will benefit them in the long run. Um, and, yeah, well, it's uh, seven games at home right out of the break. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But, but it's like, home then away for a while then back yeah. home for a while so I, I actually think the schedule play lays out nicely just mm. in terms of an energy standpoint for them so I, they need the break they need i think they need the break to refocus and come out and you know it's kind of the the thing of the nba that teams really start to refocus and hunker down post all-star break you know, kind of for that final sprint of the regular season. So I think the Wolves might be one of those teams who comes out with a renewed energy and sense of focus once they get a little break um, in about a week and a half here. Today's show is brought to you by Doer, D-U-E-R. And you've heard me telling you about my Doer jeans that I have, but Doer just also sent me a pair of their no sweat pants. And I'm just a big fan of a pair of pants that looks good you know it looks like a dress pant it looks formal that you can wear out there but it doesn't feel like that it's got that stretch to it it's got that comfort to it and these no sweat pants that they gave me and like a it's a relaxed taper ones i got in black i can wear them with everything and i just really like that feeling and i think doer has has sort of nailed that the look with the comfort they make stretch performance denim and lifestyle apparel for men and women with elevated styles that stand apart and they're made from natural fibers for that high stretch and breathability. I really think, you know, if you're looking for some new pants, some winter pants, you know, consider these. Trust me, you need Doer in your wardrobe. Order your new favorite jeans or pants today. Check out Doer's flagship stores in LA or Denver or shop online at shopdoer.com slash Dane Moore. Right now, my listeners can get 15% off site-wide when you use my special URL, shopduer.com slash Dane Moore. Don't wait to get 15% off. Go now to shopduer.com slash Dane Moore. Today's show is brought to you by the Game Time app, and Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. I went to a concert last week, and the whole process of knowing where to go to get the tickets, it was stressful because the last time I went to a concert, it was a mess trying to get the tickets from the third-party website onto my phone. But with the GameTime app, I felt confident even last minute that I purchased my tickets at a fair rate, and that's because of their best price guarantee. And then with the app, it was easy to just use my phone and get into the concert I paid for, no confusion. So if you're looking for tickets to a Lynx game, a Twins game, or a concert this summer, check out the GameTime app. You'll get images of your seats when you buy, so you know what to expect when you arrive. You can buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're set. And tickets are sent directly to your phone. So no need to dig through your emails and click on a link here or there. You can just snag tickets without stress with the GameTime app. Download the GameTime app. Create an account and use code DaneMore for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and use the code DaneMore, all one word, for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets. Lowest price. Guaranteed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. You mentioned Kyle Anderson uh, in your answer as, you know, part of the answer for ways in which that mm-hmm. teams can attack Carl Anthony Towns, mm-hmm. which again, you know, just because he's a, you know, a power forward in a center's body or whatever, like teams late in games and in the playoffs are are going to go at that. And mm-hmm. for the Wolves, um, they're, they're like clear defensive reaction to that is putting Kyle Anderson into the game. Who's, uh, for what he has lacked this season, is very good at that. He's he's been a very good defensive player uh, for for this team, but uh, the that's coming with a cost too. Of whenever you put Kyle Anderson on the floor, yes, your defense is going to get better. The numbers bear that out, uh, but your offense is going to get substantially worse, and uh, the the numbers bear that out uh, as well. Kyle also had the technical foul on the bench. Uh, obviously, I didn't hear what was said, but, you know, I'm talking to Finch and, and him after the game. Mm-hmm. It's, it sounds like it was a quick trigger from the ref, whatever. I just it's it's these things adding up with Kyle Anderson where last year he was their answer to problems. Yeah. And this year, when they try to use him to solve problems, he's creating new problems. Um, you know, obviously, we'll see what happens with the, the trade deadline tomorrow. I, I see a world where Kyle Anderson is on this team. Uh, after the trade deadline, but I think we're getting to some sort of point with Anderson where, you know, we were talking about earlier. Yeah. Okay. You're not going to close the game with Anthony Edwards off the floor. Right. Or you're probably going to play Jade McDonough, whatever, all those guys. Um, But when it is a bench player, your seventh, eighth man in, in Kyle Anderson, we might be getting to the point where, something needs to change there that it's not the same consistent minutes that he gets every time. If they do trade for, you know, another, another player who's 
deserving of 15 to 20 minutes a night, well, then that player needs to be in the top eight in the rotation. And Kyle Anderson's play, I'm not saying he needs to be banished from, from the rotation, but there's becoming you know, a, a case to be made that he maybe doesn't need to play every single night uh, for this team, even though he provides somewhat of an answer for these, these defensive issues when, when teams are, are going, uh, are going at Carl Anthony Towns. I don't know, man, it's, it's a tricky topic with <laughs> Kyle Anderson, right? Like, yeah, it's, I, I come back to what happens, you know, a couple times a game um, watching these, watching these games, and it's like, like I think I think I don't think Kyle is as bad as you know, or playing as bad as what you know the Twitter fan base was uh, was was tweeting all all through the game last night as usual. I think there tends to be a little overreaction on social media, but I will say that sometimes it's 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 a little hard to watch when the Wolves have an offensive possession and Kyle's in the corner and the ball swings to him. Yeah. And what would normally be an open look at three for anybody else, you know, or, or for players that have been here in the past, like a Torian Prince or a Malik Beasley, mm-hmm. they've generated, they have, the offense has generated an open look in the corner for, for somebody, but he right. just is reluctant to shoot it or doesn't want to, can't shoot it, whatever. And then he instead goes off the dribble and it's like, now you're trying to find, another look on offense you've already generated what should have been an open look yeah but now you're trying to find it again and i think that's that's where i that's where i kind of cringe and twinge when i'm when i'm watching uh mm-hmm. kind of what what the offense looks like in those in those kyle minutes these days it's just it's just what should be an open look from three is is not um you know, and I think I think that that hurts yeah. the offense as a whole. I, I think there's a pretty like basic way to to think about the opportunity cost of that, right? Like mm-hmm. the average corner three point shot in the NBA goes in 39 percent of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not the expectation uh, with Kyle, obviously. But you think about that, and you're like, well, if that was even a 33 percent proposition, right? That's yeah. the equivalent of about a point per possession, you know, right? Three times 0.33. Um, and so then when Kyle goes off the dribble, abandons this what should be a point per possession opportunity and goes to the basket, he needs and creates a shot. He needs to make that shot off the bounce at the basket at a 50% clip. Mm-hmm. And I, I Kyle's actually somewhat pretty decent at that when he does get to it and get to the shot. And I think he can make that yeah. at a, a close to 50% clip. The issue though, that's driving that down, drives it down more is he's also going to turn it over in those. Yeah. Yeah. So even if it is, you know, the pump, fake can go to the basket when he gets the shot up is a 50% proposition, which probably isn't, but I, whatever we'll do his round numbers here. Mm-hmm. It, it goes down because he's having turnovers out of there as well. Not to mention it like, craters the whole spacing of the offense and 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 to that end like we're creating too big of a negative proposition here that as good as his defense yeah. is it does you know it, it does not out, outweigh it there and I, I I think there's value in having Kyle Anderson on this team going forward but if they don't trade him at the trade deadline and do get you know one of the guys for a couple second round picks 
it, it doesn't need to be Kyle has his 20 minute a night role a night and until you know something else shakes out otherwise yeah. in 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 my opinion this is just it, it it seems like it's hurting more than it's more than it's helping when he's out on the floor yeah last i think last night too and, and yeah you look at the box score and it was like one for two with one turnover so he wasn't even like mm. that high yeah. of a usage <laughs> you know mm. hardly at all and in, in, was it 16 minutes i think um, yeah, the, the minutes have gone down. That, that we yeah, should note that it's not like Fitch has just been like, okay, here, yeah, twenty minute, five minutes a night, no matter what. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. I, I've I've noticed that that there's been some clearly like he's down to you and I were talking about like who's the sixth man on this team last night when we were sitting yeah. there. We both <laughs> kind of came to like you know it's Nikhil, which the, you know Kyle Kyle's pretty clearly the eighth man on, yeah. on this team yeah. at 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 this point in time. Yeah, it's. I, I, we'll see what happens at the deadline. Um, you know, I, I, and if that person ends up getting used, you know, and, and it's like, do you, is it's obviously going to be more of a, of a scoring shooting type or backup point guard role. So they're thinking offense first with whatever player comes in here. Um, and, and whatever player it is that comes in here and they catch uh-huh. it in the corner, it's going to be the 33% proposition. Yeah, yeah, which, which is why, which is why I'm, I'm, I'm a little stunned that we don't at least get a little more run out of Troy Brown. Sure. Because I think Troy Brown will be, you know, in a situation like that, shot ready and, mm-hmm. and able to maybe knock down some of those open looks that – and he did earlier in the season when he was getting some time. Um, so I, I, I wonder I – wonder, if there's more of this and, and more of those kind of struggles, does does it cause Finch to even go a little more radical in terms of cutting Kyle's minutes? And especially if the if whatever acquisition comes in here kind of maybe fits in and boosts the bench offense a little more. Because they need that right now. They have they yeah. had almost nothing from the bench last night in terms of scoring. I, like it's so up and down right now with that the bench production. It just it, it seems like we're at a point where some sort of at least small shakeup needs to happen to the rotation or, yeah. or, or something. We talk about the late game offense, different guys playing. Like, um, it's good that the deadline's tomorrow and that something can come out of that because I think they need a spark either from a roster change or from Finch as a not a huge rot. We're not take, talking a huge rotation right. overhaul or anything like that, but I do believe there are at least a few small adjustments, yeah, away from making this work. Chris, the last thing I, I, I do want to talk about, um, as this is, you know, happening in a lot of these games that they've blown, is when the games fall apart in the fourth quarter, it's really overshadowing really good play in the first half. Obviously, the Charlotte game uh, mm-hmm. where Carl has 44 in the first half is the is is the prime example of that. But specific to last night, um, the first half from both Ant and Carl was good. It was the rare... Both guys rolling uh, at the same time. They had 41 points combined at halftime, seven for 11 from three, six for 11 from two, nine boards, five assists. And then I think they only had uh, 22 points total in the second half and, and overtime combined. Uh, specific to the Ant, I, that, that was a game, and for two games in a row, the Houston game and this one, where Ant again had – extended stretches of looking like a star superstar player and while we've been nitpicking ant in the clutch and and things that he clearly has to do better there i i think there's an encouraging sign that at least these last two games 
he's looked like that December, November version of himself where it's like, okay, this is the best player um, on the floor. Doesn't dismiss a lot of the other stuff at the, at the end of games, whatever. But there was a while there, you know, the, for the last couple of weeks where Ant wasn't looking like this. And I right. just feel like we should note, uh, it looks like Ant, at least individually, is kind of back. And unfortunately, being back means these high highs and these sort of dysfunctional lows uh, at the end of the game. So I wouldn't put a ton of the end of game uh, on, on him in this one. I thought that was more Jaden and Kat uh, tonight. But uh, yeah, Ant just what Ant was able to do in the in the first half there. And, and in the fourth quarter, I thought he was really good at, at times to make a big defensive plays. And that I, I just want to acknowledge Ant's game. What stood out to you there? Yeah, no, he uh, they dominated that first half. I mean, that was a like a master class. Um, um, his first half performance. I, I I do think it circles back to kind of what we were talking about earlier, though. It's like how often can you do this? Yeah. Like, and that is the challenge, and and reaching reaching that potential, maintaining it throughout the course of a game. Um, and just getting there on a night in night out basis that is the challenge for 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 Anthony Edwards it's and again it's it's putting a lot on his plate it's asking a lot of him um but if you want to be a true super superstar in this league that's what you do you know you 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 play like he did in the first half mm-hmm. on a more regular basis um you don't go through these lulls in the season you don't go through lulls in a game and you just keep your your foot on the gas pedal Mm-hmm. And you know, until your team's up by thirty plus, um, you know, I don't know if it was what the Bulls were doing or, or Ant just you know relaxing in the second half or, or what or whatever it was. It just. I mean, just I think part of it was we, we said before he was yeah. trying to get others involved and allow tenor. To do yeah, that. yeah, it was a different tenor. Yeah, uh, coming out of the locker room than it was in the first half when he was much more aggressive. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just a much more passive kind of second half. So. If you can just bottle that and, and tell Ant, like, hey, even when we get up 20. But, you, but, but Chris, know, what he's doing yeah. is that mentality, that aggression. I, I, I get yeah. it, actually, to some extent, because yeah. it's like a lot of when it is the high highs, like it was in the first half, and they're going in, it, it still looks like hero, quote unquote, hero ball at times. That's true. That you is true. I mean? Yeah. And, and so yeah. then it becomes the fourth quarter. You get a little bit of like the mm-hmm. single because you're like, okay, they've already cut this down to to ten, and he's thinking about the film session, everything everyone said of like, you know, it needs to not be hero ball at, at this time mm-hmm. in the game, and and so he's trying to control. I mean, he looked like a muted version of himself in in the fourth quarter. I think with the right intentions, he's like, all right, this is what we talked about. We need me to do in this time to get others involved, but then he's not as involved in. Again at twenty, not as engaged. Old. Yeah, it's like he almost needs the the hero ball sometimes <laughs> to get himself going. That doesn't necessarily get the whole Wolves offense going, but I, I feel like just watching him, I'm seeing him wrestle with that. And then I think like, after the Orlando game, and then after last night, it was a lot of like, you know, what what happened here, and his answers were, I don't know. A lot of I don't know what what's what the answers are here, and back. In December at Christmas, when we were asking him those questions and they lose the game to Oklahoma City, whatever, what is his answers? I left too many bullets. Oh, right, exactly. I need, to do I, need more. To, I need to do more, yeah. So yeah. I think he doesn't know because he's like, 
well, I guess that wasn't right. The bullets in the chamber no, it's thing. Good, it's a good, yeah, it's a good you, point. You know what I'm saying? We're like, he's somewhere in, in the confusion of that. And I don't think that's yeah. even an easy thing to answer, but it's made even harder when you're only 22 years old and mm -hmm. inexperienced in the way that he is. But it, it's almost right away. We were like, uh Oh, bullets in the chamber is feels like an overcorrection. <laughs> and then this right, yeah. is like a under, I, I don't know. Yeah. It's, um, it's gone too far the other way in some ways. And, and he's frustrated because of that. Yeah. Um, and to be a star player and to be the all-star mm -hmm. and best player he is on this team, a big part of whatever comes next, I think, is just mental and managing that frustration mm -hmm. for, for Anthony Edwards. And there's been no signs of, like, real anger or finger pointing or anything like that. But you do see the – He's working through it. He's yeah, you, you see it. him working through it, and you see the frustration, not in, necessarily in a negative way, but – the, the frustration is here, and I just, you know, that that needs to be managed and needs to be, as a leader, kind of, I think, carried out through the team. I think this I think this team needs a voice inside the locker room that is him. I just think it has uh -huh. to be him. He's he's struggling with it, and I, I think I, – I think back to, like, late game – "Quote unquote hero ball possessions, and it's like it just seems like Ant predetermines sometimes. Okay, this is going to be a possession that ends with me shooting it one way or the other. Yep, right. Um, whether it's a step back mid range, a three, or try to force something at the basket, it, it, it's like it. It just seems like whatever whatever he kind of does in those situations is is just predetermined. Like what it's going to happen. Like he's not." It reminds this, me of Wiggins, man. This, this possession, he's maybe going to look for the guy in the corner, but other other than that, mm -hmm. you know, he's he might be just. I'm so zoned in on trying to score here that yeah. I'm just going to do whatever I have to to try to get a shot off, and that's obviously the NBA game and, and offense is so much reading and reacting and not predetermining mm -hmm. what what you're going to be doing. So again, that's this again, right. again this this you know, he's 22 years old, figuring yeah. it out figuring out in the league this is what happens this mm -hmm. is this is what the growing pains are on display yeah you know and and when you have the pressure to win now when you're in a four-way tie for first place on the western conference this is the margin between getting that one seed and maybe dropping a four yeah at this point is is a young player trying to just figure out his best course of action and navigating these high pressure situations when this team needs him to do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I said Wiggins in there for a second. I don't mean to compare Anthony Edwards to Andrew Wiggins, but from my experience of covering this team, I remember Wig early in his career, having a lot of that predetermination of what mm -hmm. he was going to do. You kind of was like, all right, I'm in this spot. It's X, Y, Z. You know, it doesn't mm -hmm. really matter what the defense is going to do. I'm going to do that. And I think that is a, that is a very common thing for somebody in their early twenties mm -hmm. of their way to approach, you know, the, the late game situations or anything when their team needs them is very, very predetermined. And that is something I think Wiggins as an example that, that comes with time, particularly when like Wiggins and like Edwards, you're supremely athletic, where if you do just do X, Y, and Z, you're probably going to get to a good look or you're just yeah. going to be able to rise, not a good look, but you're going to be able to get, uh, to a look there. And so, yeah, it's just, and this ties back to the whole beginning, probably a place to wrap. It's just, it's ultimately about how, how fast is this going to happen? 
Anthony Edwards is going to be a star in this league and he's going to figure this out. The question is for this, is he going to figure it out in two months? Or is he going to figure it out in two years, you know, and for this season, if it's going to be this season, obviously it needs to happen uh, in, in the next two months. And I don't pretend to say that this is an easy thing for him to, to solve. Yeah. Uh, but I think the season kind of goes with how much he is able to, to, to solve this or not, whether it's, drops them down in the standings or costs them in execution in the playoffs. Uh, a lot of it is on ants. Um, some of that's unfair, but a lot of it is fair. You're the max mm-hmm. player. You're all star two-time all-star now. Um, maybe to make all NBA, like congratulations for doing it at 22 years old. Um, yeah. It does come with some added expectations uh, surrounding it. And, you know, we'll, we'll see what the, the timeline for, for being able to, to figure it out is it just feels like that's that's kind of where we're stuck yeah right now. that's that's it. It, it, it it'll benefit him long term but in the short term mm-hmm. it's you know you're gonna have these moments which is so interesting it's like again to the go bear trade we think this is gonna benefit ant and they're not wrong they're not wrong i think right. this is there, are ways, there are ways that it does absolutely but it, it's just whoo yeah still a gamble baby mm-hmm. it's still mm-hmm. a that was a that was a that was a big bet, and uh, it's it's broadly paid dividends this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's times like this where it makes you go, yeah, this was this was a this was a wager. Yeah, I I would, and that's what your piece was out on mm-hmm. uh, again on Sunday before this Bulls game. Uh, you picked up on on this trend and and wanted to dig into it. I think particularly the Ant and Jaden element of it, given how how young they mm-hmm. they are, was a was a smart thing uh, to dig into there. Uh, Chris's article, you can look that up on the, the Star Tribune in the Sunday paper, and it's titled, Are Timberwolves Asking Too Much of Their Young Players at This Point uh, in Their Careers? And it's a it's a great it's a great question that Chris laid it out there for. We, well, we don't know. We don't know the <laughs> right. answer to that. We will, uh, we'll, we'll, you know, that will be results-oriented. Uh, yep. Find out. Know it all. Yeah, to be, to be determined. Mm-hmm. All right, let's uh, let's drive to Milwaukee. <laughs> yes, let's do it. D- Dane, you could tell uh, the the luxurious hotel decor. Dane is in a courtyard, Marriott, and I am in a Fairfield Inn, and we are we are literally what half a block away from each other. We here. are. We are. <laughs> yes, me, John, and Chris are the luxury uh, of the road. Yes, loading up in my car. And That's we're, right. We're, we are driving to to Milwaukee yeah. here. Um, I should say, mm-hmm. you know, I guess. There will probably be a trade between uh, from what me and Chris stop recording right now uh-huh. and into the, the next episode. Uh, I'm going to be in Milwaukee when the trade deadline happens. The trade deadline is going to happen a couple hours before the before the Wolves game right. uh, against the Bucks. So my reaction uh, to to whatever happens at the trade deadline will be on, on Friday morning with Britt. We'll talk about whatever does or doesn't happen at the deadline, and we'll talk about that Bucks game, which I think is getting overshadowed in the because it's on the same day as the trade deadline. I think that's right. a really interesting we'll basketball see if, game. Uh, yeah. see if Dame plays. He set out last night. So ah, yes, check his uh, check his status. That so. would be that would be helpful. Even though you know, and I wouldn't mind seeing him play them uh, at mm-hmm. at full strength either. But yep, that's what's coming up. Bucks game trade deadline. Uh, Brett and I will get to that on on Friday morning. So that'll probably be out early afternoon on Friday. Uh, Chris, appreciate you waking up and uh, doing an early morning pod here with me in Chicago. And uh, 
we'll chat again in my car in like 30 minutes. <laughs> Five minutes, but, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll be back on the pod uh, sometime okay. next week uh, as well. We'll both be in Portland. Uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll make something there happen, maybe with Kyle too. So uh, until then, he's Chris. You're following him on Twitter, at Christopher Hine. Um, wrote that that piece uh, in Sunday's paper on Ant and Jaden. Also, I haven't read it yet because I think it just came out this morning. Has a, a trade deadline piece up there as well, so check that out uh, this afternoon or on, on Thursday before the deadline as well. Uh, yeah, until Friday with Britt. He's Chris. I'm Dane. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stop, yeah. Green it hard so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah. Hope you dancing like nobody else around, yeah. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.